Hi there. For the sake of any people listening to this podcast, I would like to first introduce myself. My name is Annalise McCain, and I am a senior at the University of Nebraska at Omaha. I am majoring in communication studies with a minor in psychology and am currently enrolled in a capstone course that challenges us to combine all of our communication skills learned thus far in a comprehensive project. Today, I will be interviewing a former Jehovah's Witness and will be asking some questions about their experience pre and post leaving the religion. All interviewees will be kept anonymous if they choose to do so and are not required to answer any questions that they are not comfortable with. They are also able to omit themselves from the interview at any point. These have been communicated to them beforehand. Now to begin, I would like to introduce our interviewee. Hi, how are you doing today? Good, good. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. I'm excited to have you. Thank you for being here. Um, just to start off, could you tell me your name, age, and pronouns, please? Yeah, my name is Katie. I'm 21 years old, and I use she, her pronouns. Wonderful. Thank you, Katie. And how are you feeling about this interview today? I'm a little nervous, not going to lie. Um, it's very personal, um, but I'm also excited just because I do think this topic needs to be talked about more. Um, and just have some light shed on it. Well, I'm a little nervous too, so that makes me feel better. I don't, I haven't recorded a podcast before, so it'll be new for both of us, but I just want to let you know, um, there's not much to be nervous about. I just want to keep this really organic and conversational, so no pressure at all. I just really want some, uh, honest and raw responses because this is a really important topic that doesn't get enough light shed on it. So just to add a little bit more context to this podcast before we really delve in, could you tell me just a quick background story of your life up until now? Yeah, of course. So um, I was born into the Jehovah's Witness organization. Um, Actually, third generation, both of my parents were also born being JWs. And my grandparents um, became Jehovah's Witnesses in the 50s. So oh runs, wow, runs in the family. <laughs> um, I was actually the only Jehovah's Witness in my school and my county, which is kind of crazy. But that is crazy. So I would assume that would feel, I mean, a little, a little lonely. Yeah, definitely isolating at times. Um, but my my parents did encourage me to you know make friends with other kids in my congregation. Um, so I did have friends, but I never felt really close to anyone I went to school with or any neighborhood kids that I lived by. Yeah, I can definitely understand that. Um, how was the transition from your your early childhood on into adolescence and teenage years and young young adult life? I mean, I think those years are difficult for anyone, but being a Jehovah's Witness, um, I did start to kind of question things, you know, the older I got, and I guess I, you could say I woke up around age 18, um, just big life changes, but also just seeing how the religion affected um, my life and, you know, people around me and the negative effects that it had. Um, it was just kind of life shattering. Okay, well, thank you for sharing. And just to clarify for anyone listening, are you do you still uh, currently affiliate with Jehovah's Witness? Um, no, I do not. Um, I'm completely not affiliated <laughs> anymore.
Could you briefly describe your understanding of the Jehovah's Witness religion? Um, yeah, so I personally don't consider it a religion anymore. Um, I consider it a cult, so a doomsday cult, um, to be more exactly. Uh, they they use like a lot of fear tactics, um, such as like fear of the end of the world, um, guilt, shunning, all to control um, their members. And they run their religion almost like a business, um, which is interesting. They they have their own interpretation of the Bible. They're, they have their own Bible. They take everything very face value. Um, for example, they, they believe only a select few Jehovah's Witnesses are actually going to heaven um yeah okay um so aside from just some of my research research that i came upon i had never really before heard somebody called like the jehovah's witness religion a cult would you say that that's just an individual belief that you have or is that kind of common among ex-jehovah's witnesses i would say it's very common um you know if you go on reddit or any uh, XJW YouTube pages, you'll see almost all of them, you know, refer to Jehovah's Witnesses as being a cult after having their eyes open to the real truth. Okay. Um, and I just wanted to ask a little bit more about this. So I know you said that um, in your religion, in the Jehovah's Witness religion, excuse me, they used guilt and fear to control you. Was that were they controlling you to follow their beliefs or, um, like, to not sin? Uh, they control you to follow their beliefs, but also just control of your day-to-day life. Um, they repress all sexuality. Um, they believe homosexuality is a sin. Um, so you're being a Jehovah's Witness, you're just constantly afraid that you're going to make a mistake that could, you know end with you losing everything right and potentially even in the afterlife as well that has to be really heavy i would imagine so now that you've kind of set a foundation uh just of your perspective and experiences with uh the religion i just kind of am curious as to what your earliest memory of being a Jehovah's Witness was. I mean, I know you said you were born into it, but what's what's the first kind of memory you have of it? I mean, obviously going to uh, the Kingdom Hall every Sunday, knocking on doors on Saturdays, but one that really sticks out in my mind um, every year where there would be an annual convention. Um, so, you know, the family would pack up in the car, drive to Lincoln, um, and it's a really big ordeal like 7,000 people come together oh um, wow and they all where where is that at it's in Lincoln okay um, here in Nebraska yeah in Nebraska and you know we would just stay with a family that lived in Lincoln for a few days and um go to the convention you know interact with other Jehovah's Witnesses listen to talks um yeah. Very nice. Um, and I know that's common in a lot of religions. Um, it, I mean, in a lot of organized religions, just coming together for worship um, or for prayer. Uh, so was, was that something that you at the time as a child viewed as something that was just mandatory and you had to do, obviously, because your parents 
um, were your parents and you had to go with them or were you excited or did you look at it as kind of like a social uh, situation? I mean, at, at a younger age, when I was a child, um, I I was excited for them. You know, I could go see all my friends, meet new friends. It was, you know, something that I looked forward to. You know, it was kind of like a mini vacation in a sense. Um, but as I, you know, got older, I kind of started to dread it more and more. Like, oh, do I really have to sit through hours and hours of someone talking? I, I found them more boring as I got older. Definitely. I can totally understand that. And I, I've heard that even from some of my friends who are a part of different religions, like um, just Christians. I mean, being dragged to church on Sunday when they don't necessarily want to go or Wednesday uh, worship services. So I think a lot of people can relate to that. Um, was was that something that you felt comfortable voicing to your family, to your parents or siblings, or was that something that you kind of internalized and just sucked it up and were like, this is what I'm expected to do and this is what I have to do? That exactly. I, I couldn't vocalize how any negative um, feelings or thoughts I was having, whether it be not wanting to go to an annual convention or not wanting to go knock on doors because I was afraid I was going to knock on one of my schoolmates' doors. You know, I couldn't vocalize any of those fears or um, not wanting to do something because, you know, I was, that would put me at risk of getting in trouble or possibly losing my family. I'm so sorry. That's, that's a lot to handle at such a young age, really any age. Um, and since since you talked about the door the door knocking that you did, um, that was I'm gonna be honest. My first kind of thing that I knew about the religion was just coming uh, coming door to door. Um, and obviously, one through my research and speaking with you and other people that were a part of the Jehovah's Witness religion, I've understood that there's a lot more to it than just that. Um, but did you feel kind of like stereotyped by that? Like, I I don't know. I just, in my sense and doing research um, with other people, that's kind of just like the base level knowledge that people associate with. Yeah, for sure. I feel like a lot of people, that's the only thing they really associate with being a Jehovah's Witness. Um, And that is a huge aspect of the religion. Um, But there's so much more that, you know, the average person is just not aware about. So I know we already kind of touched vaguely on this question, but could you describe to me a little more what impacts um, did this part of being a part of your religion have on your childhood? Yeah, so um, I attended public school as a child um, and being a Jehovah's Witness, you're not allowed to celebrate any kind of holidays or any birthdays. Um, So I did feel, I had a good childhood, but it was very isolating at times for me. you know, at, in school, I felt singled out and it wasn't by my choice, you know. I Definitely. didn't have a choice in, um, you know, being included. Um, I was treated differently by some of my peers um, and I was bullied for that those differences. Um, and I, I have a lot of memories of just longing to go to birthday parties with, you know, for my friends at school and, you know, they would beg me to go and I would just always feel like I was letting them down 
um, by not being able to go and celebrate with them. Um, That's such a double-edged sword because like you said with the, like when you didn't want to go to like worship services or gatherings and stuff like that, when you started to dread that a little more, you couldn't express that. So was it kind of the same thing? I would assume not being able to express how much that hurt you to your parents and people in the religion about not being able to celebrate those things. Yeah, and you know, one of my earliest memories that I I did, I'd come at my parents and ask them, you know, why, you know, these people are my friends, why can't I go, you know, to their birthday party even if I'm not, you know, directly celebrating with them. Right. Um, and you know, they would always tell me that, you know, worldly people or people not who are not JWs, they're not your true friends. They will never be your true friends. Oh wow. So Wow, that's a lot to unpack. So, not your true friends. So, you were still allowed to associate with them and talk to them, right? And con- and consider them as your friends, right? Even though you weren't allowed to celebrate those things? No, my parents more encouraged, like, I would associate with them, but in doing so, I would have to, you know, share with them my beliefs. Like, that was my my job like trying to convince other people you know to you know this is the right way like so it was very weird kind of being a fisher of men yes in a sense very weird when you're just when you're so young and you just want to have friends at school you know? right and just talk about your school day but instead you have this uh deep-rooted obligation to talk about your religion and be recruiting exactly that is just a lot for a child to handle. Um, and then, of course, I said that's a double-edged sword because, one, you can't express that to your family. I mean, you said you did, but after a while, I assume you couldn't. And then, I mean, you can't – I feel like you can't really communicate that to your friends that aren't a part of your religion because they just don't understand. And you feel like you're letting them down, but at the same time, you can't let your family and your religion down. So it's just kind of all internalizing, it seems. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really feel like I could be myself with anyone, you know, whether it be friends at school, like they didn't understand, you know, my family life. Um, my family didn't understand, you know, the thoughts and feelings I was ha- I was having. And then my friends at the congregation, like I couldn't be my true self or ask them these questions because I was fearful that they would go tell my parents that I was having these thoughts or... Of course, so it's kind of just always you were feeling like you were walking on eggshells, it's sounding like. Yeah, exactly. Can you... So, okay, I know you said you can't celebrate their birthdays and everything. So I remember when I was in school, um, and it might be different uh, for your school, but I remember kids would bring, like, treats and snacks and stuff for their birthdays, and they would sing happy birthday, um... Or like the teachers would throw little like Valentine's Day parties and stuff like that. What would what would you do in those instances? Because you're at school, you're surrounded by that. How do you, how did you remove yourself? Did you just not participate? What what happened? Um, you know, with anything like that, any kind of celebration, birthday party, holiday, I would just have to leave the room. I I wasn't allowed to even be in the room that same room. Um, oh my gosh! Or you know, saying the pledge of the Le- pledge of allegiance, I had to remain seated, like say, seated. It was just, it makes you feel very isolated and like you're being judged by everyone else, and you know, kids don't understand. And you said you experienced some bullying. It sounded 
I don't, I think you said some mild bullying. Um, so was that more so you just felt the energy of being excluded and obviously what comes with that? Or did you, are there any specific instances where you experienced bullying or, um, just, just feeling like an outsider or just mistreatment by others? I would say there's a good mix of both. Um, just being isolated and, you know, feeling like people are watching me or, ju- you know, judging me, giving me weird looks. But also there was a handful of people who, you know, directly did bully me, um, made me feel bad about, you know, who I was. And, um, you know, it, it wasn't my choice, but I was bullied for those things. And you did say that you had some uh, non-Jehovah's Witness friends that... Um, like you said, you have this obligation to, uh, talk about your religion and, um, just spread the word to them. Were they receptive to that or was, did it get exhausting trying to do that? Or was it kind of just a one and done thing? You know, I think it, it's different for every ex-Jehovah's Witness, their viewpoint on that. Looking back at it now, you know, if I was a parent and, you know, some, child at school was telling my kid trying to convert them to some religion i would be very upset by that um but you know as a kid i kind of i would bring it up here and there but i never i was almost kind of like embarrassed because i didn't want people to really know that side of me i can understand that for sure especially in addition to all of the other isolating things that you had to experience that's just like the cherry on top that you don't want to have yeah We've obviously uh, addressed that you're not a part of this religion anymore and you don't affiliate with the Jehovah's Witness religion, but I am interested to know what is the moment that you kind of remember those wheels turning in your head and you started having doubts and allowing yourself to think, think those doubts? Yeah, so I would say around eight age 18 I started to kind of question things and it for me there wasn't necessarily like a a moment that like a flip switched and I was like oh my gosh like what what is happening it was more slowly over time I began you know watching stuff on YouTube like Christian debates where they were kind of debating ideas about evolution and Noah's Ark Um, When you were watching those, were you watching it because you had questions or were you watching it to kind of, I guess, were you, were you watching it to disprove your religion or were you watching it to confirm your religion and confirm those beliefs? Uh, I would say at first to confirm just because the thoughts I was having were scary to me. Right. Um, it was sort of like you were seeking comfort and validation of your religion. But the more I I dove in, the more I was like you know, uncovering, I couldn't, you know, look away. Of course. Um, and, you know, after watching, you know, YouTube videos like that, I began to kind of question my parents about, you know, the topics that I had no answers for and they didn't have answers for them either. So I was just, you know, stuck with these doubts and I didn't really know what to do. Um, but as time, you know, went by uh, the governing body of the Jehovah's Witnesses, started putting out actual video broadcasting um, opposed to their written talks that we had all known for years and years. And it was the first time that we, you know, kind of saw these men for who they were. They're, a few of them are so 
off their rockers <laughs> crazy um just and you say and you say men i just want to clarify it's all men yes the governing body is all men um and there's there's one uh talk in particular that really stands out in my mind as one of the you know the pivoting moments um it was when they started having a talk um that included conversation about modesty and it kind of turned into this really weird um shocking and confusing thing where they were saying that t- wearing tight pants is only for homosexuals and that oh. made absolutely no sense to me um they were saying you know tight pants are made by homosexuals so that they can look at and watch you wear them it just it has- just made are were they made for homosexuals or made for their pleasure made for their pleasure and it just was so crazy for me to hear that it made absolutely no sense it was almost laughable um and you know i was asking my parents like what did you think of that like because i was just so like shocked by it and you know they agreed and that's kind of when um they agreed with the talk i mean and that's kind of when i do you think they actually agreed with it or do you think it's more just their condition to follow blindly and just accept the word i think it's a mix of both but um it was just very it was very sad to see that my parents just were so blindly following that and to believe something so ridiculous and so disturbing and it's interesting to me just listening because i remember at the beginning of this you said that the jehovah witnesses take the bible for face value and very literally but i mean as far as i know i don't think there's anything in the bible that says tight pants is a sin or made for homosexuals is there no there's not it it's their own interpretation of the bible but they go off on these very weird tangent things that you know after you're done listening to it, you're like where did they get this from or what's the purpose of even saying that like what what is it serving what i mean it's all control for them um but yeah i i don't understand it either <laughs> it makes no sense to me so these were just the events that kind of cast that doubt in your mind and led you to keep doing research and continuing that doubt, obviously, until you decided that you didn't want to be a part of this religion anymore. So when uh, when did you decide to no longer remain a Jehovah's Witness? And what was that process like, detransitioning from that? Yeah, so... I would say kind of the defining moment um, would be I was looking at um, an XJW Reddit page um, that I had come across and I was kind of just looking at it and I, I found this video. Um, and JW stands for Jehovah's Witness, right? Yes. I just want to clarify. Correct. Um, and I started watching this video on why these two individuals had left the religion. Um, and the video seemed very down to earth, so I, you know, continued watching it. And they were just sharing their life story and what they had discovered. And the part that really got me is when they were talking about how the Jehovah's Witnesses are in association with the United Nations. 
Um, and Jehovah's Witnesses believe that the United Nations is going to be the one to bring Armageddon um, and kind of destroy every religion until the Jehovah's Witnesses are the only ones left. So finding out that they were in association with them was oh, wow. just the most extreme hypocrisy I had ever heard. Right. Um, and that just made me dive into the rabbit hole fully. I, I couldn't, you know, look back after finding that out and I couldn't go back to believing the same lies. Um, and that's so, that's such a contradicting fact and such, such a big one to be kind of left under the wraps. Do you think that it was the higher ups that were kind of working to keep that uh, hidden and not known to the bigger population? I mean, I'm sure they don't want people knowing that, especially Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, they believe, I mean, being a Jehovah's Witness, you are told that you are not to look up any information about the religion besides using their source. Anything else is not credible. It's going to be, it's full of lies. You're just told not to do any research unless it's on JW.org. Oh, um, wow. So, you know, I was so it's all very biased what you're exposed to. Extremely biased. And I was, you know, being raised told that I was very skeptical to, you know, any outside um, information, but you know, there's only so much, you know, you can take until you, you know, like you can't turn back like from those. Of course. Once, once you know, you can't, you can't just pretend you don't. Mm -hmm. And that feeling was extremely terrifying, but also so freeing, just validating all of the thoughts that, you know, I had had for so long. Um, yeah, for sure. And that's just really interesting to me that you can only use uh, their sources and what they consider to be credible. Is that just in terms of when you're having doubts or questions or is that like, like always like how, I mean, I guess this is a little off topic, but like when you're at school and doing research and stuff, is it okay to use outside sources or are you told to kind of just block that information out? Uh, I mean, you're told to completely block it out. Uh, you know, anyone who's not a Jehovah's Witness or, um, and you're getting, you know, information from them, it's lies, it's, you know, it's not, it's being twisted, you know. And once you decided and you had that defining moment that you were no longer going to be a part of this religion, how was the process? How was telling, how did your family find out? How did your friends find out? Yeah, so I would say, you know, I was mentally out right after high school, um, starting college. Right when you said you started having doubts, right at 18? Yeah, so I was just about to start college and I, I had all of this weighing on me and I, I realized I still needed that support from my family. Um, and if they knew, you know, the thoughts I was having, like they would completely cut all ties with me. Um, and I knew I just could not go start college without their support. So I kind of faked it for a year and a half. You know, I would go to meetings, do do all the work and stuff, but I was, I, you know- Just I a body sitting there. Yeah, I, it wasn't anything real for me. 
Um, so I spent a couple more months at home after I started college. Um, but then, you know, one day I just, I stopped. I stopped going to all the meetings. I just stopped doing everything. Um, and, you know, my parents were upset by that and they were always trying to convince me to go with them. Um, but, you know, I kind of just held my ground. Did you give a reason to why or did you just simply say you didn't want to go? I mean, I tr they knew, I think they knew I was having doubts, but I kind of just kept it vague because I didn't want to give them a reason. To give them ammunition? Exactly, yeah. Um, but I guess kind of the breaking point was when my mom had found out that I had a, a worldly boyfriend. Um, what does is, what is worldly mean, just to clarify? So that's just, you know, someone who's not a Jehovah's Witness. So anyone who's not a Jehovah's Witness, they consider worldly. Okay. Um, so I had a boyfriend who, you know, was not a Jehovah's Witness. My parents found out about that um, and they gave me a week to leave. And that was it. I I had to leave. They kicked me out. It, oh my gosh. And there were no if, ands, or about about it. That's just... No, it was very straightforward. Like, they told me, you know, I that I knew that this was wrong. And I deliberately went against their will and Jehovah's will. So that was it for me. And that's what... Um, they're expected by the church to do, isn't it? That's not their own personal choice. Yeah, I mean, they could potentially be um, in trouble if they were to, you know, keep that relationship with me. Oh, wow. Um, so, so kind of uh, on the same note as uh, you're not supposed to have worldly friends, they would, in, in the same sense, be in trouble for even though you're uh, their daughter for having affiliations with you. Yeah, and you know, in their eyes, since I I know what's right to do, I'm even worse than someone who is not a Jehovah's Witness because I- Because you were raised yeah, with they, those beliefs. They believe, you know, that I know the right thing to do and I'm de deliberately, you know, choosing to do the wrong thing, so. In their eyes, I'm even worse than someone who is just, you know... Blind to it. Exactly, yeah. So they just thought you were knowingly sinning. Yeah. After everything was said and done, um, how have your morals since uh, just distancing yourself and not being a Jehovah's Witness anymore, how have your values, morals, and ideologies changed since leaving? Well, since leaving, I just feel like the my horizons are just so much broader. I I feel like I can actually think for myself and choose my own values and morals, you know, according to my own moral compass, not having someone else control that for me. Um, and it's been a growing process. I've had to learn a lot and make mistakes. Um, for sure. Was that kind of, I know you said you experienced like a really freeing feeling. Was that was that all positive or was it scary at times? It's, it was scary just, you know, feeling completely alone, not having anyone. Um, Almost having to like reinvent yourself, I would assume. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think in all, it's made me be more considerate of a human being and just think more for myself. Um, 
and just not be so judgmental towards other people. You know, being a Jehovah's Witness, you're taught to almost look down on other people and um, judge them because you're better, you're, you know what's right. Um, and just not being a Jehovah's Witness anymore, I just feel like I'm way more accepting of other people. Um, I just have a new perspective on the world, honestly. Just more loving, not basing you know, my actions on that conditional love that they, that they, you know, have. And I just feel like my life is so much more fulfilling. Well, that makes me so happy for you because everything you've shared with me is just, I can't even begin to put myself in your shoes and just to see you sitting here today and, um, just to know who you are as a person. Um, I'm just really proud of you for how far you've come and the obstacles you've overcome. Um, And I know you said it's helped you become more accepting. Would you say that it's also given you a little bit more of a critical lens when approaching situations or people, like not just taking stuff at face value anymore? Oh, yeah, for sure. I definitely am not the type of person to just believe something blindly anymore. Like, I need to see to believe just because, my, you know, for my whole life, I was just believing whatever I was told, you know, and now knowing that there are people out there that do, you know, use their control or power to manipulate you. um, It definitely has given me a new lens and outlook on life. For sure. It seems like um, just by knowing you now as you um, and not being a Jehovah's Witness, it's like, I really feel like you went from being a follower to now just being a true leader. Oh, thank you so much. So now being on the other side of the fence, how has your perspective of Jehovah's Witnesses changed now that you no longer belong to that same religion? I I believe that Jehovah's Witnesses are just normal people. You know, they're they're just normal people and I view them differently now in a sense that there many of them are just very vulnerable damaged people who have suffered you know abuse and who have suffered trauma just due to the religion alone of course um and have i mean obviously you know people that are jehovah's witness growing up in the religion um did you ever once you came to realize these different truths and um, distance yourself from the religion, did you feel inclined to share what you were discovering with those people? And did you, or is that something that you feel um, that people need to come to on their own? I would say when I first left the religion, I, you know, people who were close to me who were also Jehovah's Witnesses, I, you know, I wanted them to have that same truth that I had and have that freeing feeling um, of not being controlled anymore. So yeah, I did try to push that on certain people in my life. Um, But as I've gotten older, I've come to understand that, you know, you can't force that on someone. You can't just like they can't force, they shouldn't force their religion on you. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want to know be forcing my beliefs on anyone else i can just you know hope that they will come to the understanding on their own time and just be a supportive person 
non-judgmental um, and just there for them if they ever need someone to talk to um, because I understand, you know, what they're thinking and what they're going through. Of course. And I think that's a really mature way to look at it. Um, it's like that saying you can lead the horse to the water, but you can't make it drink. You know, you can tell them all these things, but ultimately um, it's not your choice. And you probably, after all you've been through, you wouldn't want to make it your choice. You would want to make it organic. Yeah. I, you know, I want everyone to find that on their own and believe it for themselves because their whole life they haven't been able to do that. Of course. How long have you not been a Jehovah's Witness for now? Oh, wow. I guess it would be roughly about two to three years I've been out. Wow. So compared to, I mean, the span of your life, being alive 21 years, you said, right? That... Um, that's pretty recent. Does does it feel that recent to you, or does it feel like a different lifetime? Uh, you know, at, at this point in my life, it kind of just feels like a different lifetime. Like, that's not even me. That person wasn't even me. Um, and, like, I just know that I could never go back to that. That was actually my next, next question, um, was would you ever consider going back? But Yeah, no, I, I don't think I could ever, you know, fake fake it like I did for that year and a half you know just to please someone else um I just the happiness and freedom that I have attained from leaving obviously I've had you know your ups and downs ups and downs you know there are some days that are very hard um and I it but it has gotten easier over time you know time heals all wounds how do you um, cope with I mean not being connected to those people that you grew up with anymore very very difficult um but you you realize that like you choose your family um though my parents and siblings you know will always be my family but that conditional love that they they have for me um that's not what family is family is unconditional love of course so you're kind of rebuilding your family Mm -hmm. in a sense what are some misconceptions that non-Jehovah's Witnesses have toward the religion? Yeah, so I, there's a lot, actually. Okay. Um, like you said earlier, a lot of people just think that Jehovah's Witnesses go around knocking on people's doors. Um, but they're a lot more to that. Um, they don't believe... They believe in Jesus, that, but they don't believe in the Trinity. Um, they believe that Jesus, you know, is just God's son. Um, another, I guess the main misconception that I really have is that Jehovah's Witnesses are not a religion. Like they are a cult, the tactics that they use. Um, it's, it's just very evident once you start diving in that these are characteristics of a cult. And that's something you were really, I mean, vocal about at the beginning of this podcast and now wrapping up. Um, and that's, I mean, that's not something to to say lightly cult has a real uh, presence to it when you say it. So um, I think that really encompasses your experiences and the reality and your perception, your reality of the situation. So I know you had said earlier that Jehovah's Witnesses kind of look at themselves um, on a pedestal per se, like they're better than others because they know they are. um, That is the only way to to heaven um 
but what are how how do Jehovah's Witnesses regard non-believers? I mean, in more specific terms. Yeah. So, like I said, they you know call them worldly people, um, but any outsider to them is considered below them. Um, they're kind of just like the background. Um, they believe that all non-Jehovah's Witnesses will one day be wiped out completely killed um so they kind of just don't really care that much about other people um kind of just are in their own little world and do they look at non-jehovah's witnesses as more of like um like a shame or pests or do they kind of look at them more as an opportunity to introduce them to their to their religion or is it just a little bit of mixture of both I would say it's a mixture of both, but they definitely do view other outsiders as opportunities to convert them to being a Jehovah's Witness. I mean, that's their main goal. That's why they're knocking on doors. Right. Um, But still, there is that sense of they know themselves that not everyone's going to, you know, jump on board with their ideas. Of course. So they, yeah, they just view those people as really nothing to them you know of course and is that something that is communicated to people outside of the religion like if they were to talk to to a worldly person would they assert those beliefs or is that something that's just kind of kept within the people and and, in the in the inner circle of the religion it's definitely kept within um many of their beliefs like they don't like outright say you know when they're trying to convert someone they keep it very hush hush and only relay information that they want them to know um you know and slowly over time they will you know let them know more and more and then at that point they're already usually they're already kind of already converted so kind of like when you're at a car dealership and the person's like, well, you can pay a hundred dollars a month for this car. But then when you sit down, you learn, well, the interest is going to be skyrocketing. It's just, yeah. they show you the, the pretty things about it, but. Exactly. And they do tend to target more vulnerable people who, you know, are looking for a sense of community. Um, you know, whether they're struggling financially or, you know, they're going through a rough time in their marriage, whatever it may be, they are targeting those people that, you know, need something to hold on to. Exactly. Whether they're lonely or whatever it may be. All right. And we are at our last question here. And that is, if you could tell the people listening one thing, what would it be? I mean, when it comes down to it it's just so cruel and it's so sad to see what the leaders of this organization have done to so many families to so many um, individuals they they twist relationships and they weaponize love Um, and it's just very sad my hope is that over time more people will realize this whether you know they're Jehovah's Witnesses or not that this will just come to light Um, and I, I hope that people are just willing to still be kind to Jehovah's Witnesses because, you know, they do, they have their own struggles, they're, they're lost, they, 
they're kind of just blindly following, you know, what these men are telling them. And probably having a lot of the same feelings and struggles you were having at the time. And that's how you would have wanted people to treat you, you know? Yeah, I'm sure. And I think it's important to just have these kind of conversations. Um, You know, if someone were to ask me questions, um, you know, like an outsider were to ask me questions while I was Jehovah's Witness, that would have been very helpful for me. Um, Just, you know, kind of to get those wheels turning to, you know, put thought into your own beliefs. Well, Katie, it has been a pleasure sitting and talking with you today. And I know we've talked about a lot of uh, these issues before um, for listeners. Uh, Katie and I have met at work a couple of years ago, and we've become best friends since then. Um, But I've just learned so much from you uh, just through our friendship and today. And I'm really excited for everybody to hear these interviews and to share them with my classmates and my professor. Um... And thank you to everyone who listened to this podcast. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, please contact me, Annalise McCain at amccain at unomaha.edu. And if you have any questions for the interviewee, I will pass them along and get back to you as soon as possible. So thanks again. Thanks, Kate. Thanks.